Good evening, everyone. This is kind of fun, isn't it? Church at nighttime. Uh, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. It's on page 1063 in the Bibles provided for you. Or if you'd like, you can just follow along on the screen. Uh, tonight, more than a meditation on this text, my sermon is going to be a meditation on the season of Epiphany. Um, but to kind of lead us into that meditation, we're going to read this Epiphany text. It's one of the most famous, one of the most popular uh, Epiph Epiphany texts, Isaiah 60. I think I had some additional verses printed in the worship folder, but we're just going to read verses 1 through 5. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Listen to God's word. Arise. Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. The word of the Lord. So I did a little research. Uh, and the history of Epiphany, the Feast of Epiphany, goes all the way back to the 4th century. That is a long time ago. So we're talking about the 300s here. In fact, the, the Feast of Epiphany is almost as old as the Feast of Christmas. So the church has been cel celebrating Epiphany as long as it's been celebrating uh, Christmas. Both of these feasts were... Uh, invented, more or less, in the 300s, in the 4th in the century. Uh, and the idea of the Feast of Epiphany was that in this very dark time of year, in, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, which is kind of where the church started, uh, people in the Southern Hemisphere probably have a very different perspective of Epiphany, but in the Northern Hemisphere, it's very dark this time of year, and the sun is rising later and later, and the sun is setting earlier and earlier, and there's just not a lot of light. And that lack of light can have a very impact on people. In fact, um, I didn't know how much of an impact it could have on people until I moved here. Those of you who are lifers to West Michigan, my hat is off to you. Um, a lack of sunshine can really bring you down. A lack of sunshine can have a huge impact on you. So uh, the, the church in the 4th century decided that they needed to shine a little light into all of this darkness. So every year in the first week of January, the church began to celebrate the Epiphany, which, as Sam said earlier, means manifestation or appearance. And the idea was that in the darkest days of the year, maybe even especially in the darkest days of the year, we need to be celebrating that Jesus is the light of the world. 
We need to be celebrating that he has appeared and that his light is shining into our darkness. That's the whole idea. So I like epiphany. Um, and the more I think about it and the more I practice it, the more I like it. As a holiday, epiphany kind of has an edge to it. It's kind of like a holiday with a chip on its shoulder. Because everything is dark. And everything is dreary. And everybody's freezing. And everybody's kind of miserable. And everybody's moping around. But then epiphany comes along and says, you know what? We know it's dark. We know things feel bleak, but we're not going to let the darkness get the best of us. We're not going to let the darkness fool us because Jesus Christ has appeared on the earth. And even though we can't get the sun to stay up longer in the day, we're still going to be a people of the light. Even in the darkness, we are going to be people who are living in the light. See, there's a little bit of an edge there, right? There's a, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. That in the face of darkness, and in spite of the darkness, today, we will celebrate the light. We're going to dig in our heels, we're going to clench our fists, we're going to take some vitamin D, and we're going to press into the impending doom, because we are people of the light. So over the years, the church has taken this time of year to push back against the darkness, and as we've done this, Isaiah 60 has become a very important text for us. Uh, so like I said before, I'm not doing a deep dive into the text here, but I do want us to know a little bit of the context of the text. So these verses that we read tonight, we might assume that they are happy-go-lucky verses written by happy-go-lucky people in a happy-go-lucky time in the history of, of God's people, but that's not the case. Isaiah 60 was written in a very dark time. It was written in a very depressing time in the history of God's people. So we read uh, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. We think, oh, how wonderful. Everybody sounds like they're in a great mood. This must be the context of these verses, but it's not. The context is much better illustrated in the second verse, which is this. This is how people felt. See? Darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over all the peoples. These are very dark verses, even though they're talking about light. And they were written in a very dark time for God's people. They had just suffered through a long series of of corrupt and disastrous leaders. Uh, their economy was in shambles. Their culture was on the, uh, the verge of extinction. And there was this ever-expanding Assyrian Empire, which was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and closer and closer and closer. And exile seemed imminent. Things were very dark in Isaiah 60. Which makes it a great text for the feast of Epiphany. Here's a little secret about the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is not just a celebration of light. It's a celebration of light in the darkness. That's a very different party, right? 
if you're celebrating light versus if you're celebrating light in the darkness. Because, I mean, why not celebrate this thing in July, right? If this is a celebration of light, we got all kinds of light in July. We should throw this party in July. No, no, no. We're not just celebrating light. We're celebrating light in the face of darkness, which is very different. There are some kinds of light that can only be perceived in the darkness. Those are the lights that we're celebrating. There are some kinds of light that we will never see until they are all we have. Those are the lights that we're celebrating. Epiphany is a celebration of light in the darkness. So to do epiphany well, not only do we have to be conscious of the light, we also have to be conscious of the darkness. What are our darknesses today? Today, your darkness could be some kind of health issue. It could be, your darkness could be a lack of satisfaction in your life. A lack of contentment in your life. Uh, maybe you're dealing with a spiritual darkness. Maybe the faith that you had for most of your life suddenly isn't really working for you, and you don't really have a picture for how that faith that brought you here can bring you anywhere beyond here. Maybe that's the darkness you're facing today. Uh, a lot of us, if not all of us, have experienced darkness through the pandemic. Many of us have relationships that will never be the same because of the pandemic. Many of us have discovered that our values are very different from the values of other people in our lives, and we didn't know that before the pandemic. Many of us have be uh, began to feel ostracized or unwelcomed in certain groups of friends or family that we didn't experience before the pandemic. Many of us have had to create new boundaries around ourselves, uh, between ourselves and other people, uh, because that became a relationship that we just couldn't handle and couldn't grow with anymore. Those are places of darkness. And the season of Epiphany asks us, could it be that there's light for us, not just on the other side of those dark places, but could it be that there's also light for us even in those dark places? Could it be that there's actually beauty there? Could it be that there's something to be gained in the struggle? Could it be that we would find strength in the darkness? Could it be that we find Jesus there? I mentioned this in a sermon uh, some time ago, but it's so good I got to share it again. There's a contemporary artist named James Terrell, and he is an artist who uses darkness as his artistic medium. So some artists work in clay, some work in fabric, some work in paint or, or, or cloth or whatever. Terrell uses darkness. And a few years ago, he had this installation in Boston 
where um, people who experienced his peace would walk in through this hallway, through a moderately lit hallway, and the further and further you walked down the hallway, the deeper the darkness became. And then at the very end of the hallway, there was a room where people found, them some, found themselves standing in what felt like pitch darkness. And people would stand there for a few minutes feeling very disoriented and very vulnerable until their irises slowly started to adjust to the darkness. And once their bodies, once their irises had made peace with their surroundings, they discovered that they were actually in the presence of great beauty. See, their assumption was that the darkness was empty. Their assumption was that there was nothing there, or at least nothing good there. But once their eyes adjusted, they began to see that in the middle of the room, there was a very faint, gray, nebulous light. But they couldn't see it until their bodies had made peace with the darkness. We're so quick to run from our darkness. Is there something to be gained in making peace with our darkness? Not avoiding the hard things, not avoiding the hard conversations, the hard relationships, but making peace with the challenge. So in Isaiah 60, verse 1, when God says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. We know actually from the historical context that this was not an indication that everything was going to immediately become perfectly easy and bright and wonderful and convenient for God's people. In fact, we know from historical context that the opposite was about to happen. These people were about to go into exile. They were about to endure a hard thing. They were about to endure a great challenge. They were about to embark on a season of darkness. But the message of the prophet Isaiah was that while they lived in darkness, they would still have access to the light. There would be great challenges. There would be a significant learning curve. It would take their irises a good amount of time to adjust to their situation. But they were going to find that there was light there. Barbara Brown Taylor wrote a, a wonderful book about how beautiful darkness can be. She says in that book that every new life always starts in the dark. Every new life always starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground or a baby in the womb or Jesus in the tomb. Every new life starts in the dark. Even Nicodemus, who was the first person to be told that he needed to be born again. When did he come to Jesus? In the middle of the night. New life starts in darkness. There is some light that can only be perceived in darkness. And if the story of the incarnation of our Lord tells us anything, it's that he comes to the dark. I wonder what new life 
could start for us in the darkness, as a light in the darkness? Could radical honesty about your situation become liberating? Could hitting rock, rock bottom give you the, uh, the gift of desperation? Could putting new boundaries on relationship give you space to grow again? Epiphany is not a one-way ticket away from darkness. It's an invitation to sit in the darkness. And to remember from whom our light comes. From whom our hope comes. And in whom we ultimately trust. Epiphany is an opportunity to accept our own darkness. The things that we're responsible for, culpable for, and the things that we're not. Epiphany is an opportunity to enjoy the enduring love of that flickering light which never goes out. It is true that the darkness can be scary. But it is also true that the darkness is the place where God can do some of his very best work. Arise, shine, for your light has come, God says. Pray with me. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that even in times of great great darkness you told us the promise of the great light that would come and as we continue celebrating how that light came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ we invite that light into the intimacy of our own darkness let us be at peace with him there let us, him, let us invite him fully into ourselves so that in finding his presence, in finding him, we might also find ourselves. We thank you for your love for us and your proximity to us, even in the dark places. In Christ's name we pray.